0: Go to athleticgreens.com forward slash livemore to access a very special offer. They are giving my listeners five fantastic travel packs and one year supply of vitamin D free of charge with your first order. See your details at athleticgreens.com forward slash livemore. Today's clip is from episode 129 of the podcast with the neuroscientist, Dr. Lisa Moscone. In this clip, Lisa explains how changes in the brain that cause dementia can actually begin in midlife. She also explains how what we do now can affect our brain health as we age, and she gives some great tips on how to look after our brains, both for now and for the future.
1: Alzheimer's disease is not a disease of old age. We tend to associate it with the elderly because the symptoms develop usually when people are like in their 70s. The average age at onset here in the United States is 71 years old. But in truth, Alzheimer's disease starts with negative changes in the brain years, if not decades, prior to the cognitive symptoms.
0: It's so important for people to get that because... You know, I've spent a lot of time with Professor Dale Bredesen um, in in California. I don't, I'm sure you've seen some of Dale's work and some of his research. And you know, he's said on many occasions that you know, Alzheimer's or other forms of dementia may be starting even 30 years before it shows up. The idea being that when you get symptoms is not when this starts. This starts That's a right. long way before. And therefore, yes. there's an opportunity, if we're aware of that, to start taking preemptive and preventive action, you know, in our 30s, in our 40s, and our 50s, right. not when we're suddenly getting the diagnosis at the age of 72, let's say.
1: Alzheimer's disease is not like you, you, you just all of a sudden catch a cold. Right? It's not like tomorrow you go to the doctor and boom, you have Alzheimer's disease, there's something that's been happening in your brain for a really, really long time that eventually leads to the symptoms, which again speaks to how resilient the brain is, how strong these brains we have are because they can literally fend off a whole amount of pathology and insults and and problems for years and years and years. And your ability and your brain's cognitive reserve of reserve right against these insults is really largely based on the way you live your life. There is a genetic component. Our DNA is part of whoever we are. Everything we are is involved in every bodily in neurological function. However, your medical report heart, report card and your lifestyle matter just as much for the vast majority of people. Like even in patients with. Genetically determined Alzheimer's, even for those very rare patients who carry genetic mutations that cause Alzheimer's at a young age, there's evidence that things like exercise can really delay the onset of dementia. And for the vast majority of the population, over 98% of people do not carry this genetic mutation. So risk is really more about the interplay of factors like, sure, there are genetic risk factors, your genes are important, but your lifestyle is just as important, your environment is just as important, your medical health is just as important. And those are the things that we need to take care of pretty much as soon as we're aware that they're important. It's not like you're 50 and today you have to take care of your brain. No, it's this... Brain health should really be part of overall health. We should really start thinking about our brains as our best friends, the part of us that needs nurturing and supporting, that is doing so much for us, right? So I think it's really important that we make choices that really support the brain. And I, I usually like to say that I encourage everyone to think of their brains more like a muscle, Right. There are things that you can do to make your brain stronger. You can exercise it properly. You can feed it properly. You can take care of it properly. And your brain will perform so much better for you. I've done so much research using brain scans where we show quite clearly that if you're a 50-year-old woman on a Mediterranean diet, your brain looks at least five years younger as compared to a woman who's also 50 years old, but has been on a Western diet for most of her life. I mean, you can see them. You can see the brain scans. You can see the way the brain doesn't change when you follow a Mediterranean-style diet and the way your brain literally shrinks at age 50 when, when you are on a Western-style diet.
0: You know, is there some general broad principles of w- what you're talking about when you say the Mediterranean diet? Yes,
1: and I think, again, it's important to say Mediterranean-style diet because otherwise it becomes really impractical even for me i can't find the same foods here that i used to eat in italy growing up but the point is plant-centric the vegetables and fruit and grains and legumes are really the focus of the diet when we use condiments they're more like unrefined vegetable oils like extra virgin olive oil flax oil flax oil is incredible for vegans Also, fish is a big part of the Mediterranean diet, whereas meat and dairy products are considered more like a treat, like an an occasional treat. It's a very flexible diet. It's a very reasonable diet. It's it's, It's not in any way suggesting deprivation or food restriction, which I find very sensible as a scientist. We always talk about diversity in the diet as being real key to health.
0: Yeah. And I think that the, the the diets, which over and over again around the world, no matter how you sort of chop them up, that are associated with good health and longevity tend to be these diverse diets, minimally processed, a focus processed, focus yeah. on whole foods, a focus on lots of different colors, right? It's these are the principles, which I know you support as well. And, yes, and, and this is what the evidence certainly supports. Um you talk about physical activity we know that's a big problem particularly with women certainly in the UK there's been quite a lot of national campaigns to try and get more women active
1: yes so exercise for a really long time nobody believed that exercise had an actual impact on brain health and things have changed so much that now every single recommendation as related to brain health is really about exercising regularly And especially for Alzheimer's disease, we know that exercise is a strong preventative. I guess Alzheimer's perhaps is a strong word if any scientist is is listening, but um, exercise is really important for risk reduction, not just of Alzheimer's disease, but of the depression, anxiety, of a number of conditions that can impact and affect the brain. And what's interesting, I think, is that exercise is just equally important for men and women. It's really men need to exercise, women need to exercise. But recent studies have shown that the benefits of exercise on brain health might be even stronger for women. There are these beautiful studies with hundreds of women followed for like 40 years. They really show very conclusively that your level of fitness in midlife is so strongly correlated with your brain health later on in life. So if you're actively, if you're physically active, if you're physically fit in midlife, you have a 30% lower risk of dementia later in life as compared to a middle-aged woman who's not working out at all, who's sedentary. 30%. Now, if I had a drug that could lower your risk of Alzheimer's by 30%, I would be rich and everybody would buy it. Instead, the prescription is simply move your body, exercise. And what research in women has shown is that a low to moderate intensity seems to work best for women' bodies and brain, especially from perimenopause onward. There's literally an inverted U-shape between ins- intensity and gains. But no intensity, no gains. Moderate intensity, maximum gains very high intensity, the gains go down. Yeah. So you want to catch that specific, I think the specific balance of intensity and gains that works for you. And also I I feel that there's so much guilt around not being able to perform as well as the latest celebrity on TV. I I find that we have unrealistic expectations and that, it's not about what other people are doing. It's really about what's the best that you can do. What is something that you actually enjoy doing? Yeah. Let's talk about having fun and not just doing things out of duty or because you have to. Yeah. I personally, I love running and that makes me happy. <laughs> and so I yeah. do it. But it doesn't mean that somebody else has to go running. You know, You can find something else that really yeah. works for you that is not too stressful. I think there's plenty of research showing that Doing the stairs is good enough for your brain. The going for a walk, walking a little bit faster than just strolling, would be really, it's just, just really good for your brain. So if you can push yourself harder, by all means, do it. But if you can't, don't feel bad. Just really yeah. be proud of doing enough of taking care of yourself and your body. Because really, your healthy midlife is the best predictor of your health for the rest of your life but this is the time to really start being consistent and if you're past midlife then you have to be more consistent yeah Yeah? You know? but it's the same strategy it's the same process it takes discipline to take care of our brains but the benefits are for life
0: really hope you enjoyed that bite-sized clip do spread the love by sharing this episode with your friends and family And if you want more, why not go back and listen to the original full conversation with my guest. Now, just a quick reminder, my brand new book, Happy Minds, Happy Life, 10 Simple Ways to Feel Great Every Day is available to order now. If you like my podcast, I really think you're going to enjoy this book. It contains loads of simple and practical strategies to help you look after your mind and enhance your mental well-being. This, in turn, is going to have a transformative impact on your happiness and your overall health. Now, I cover lots of different topics in the book, including how you can better deal with criticism, how to overcome a lack of motivation, how to build better relationships, and ultimately, how to experience more joy in your life. So if that sounds of interest, please do pick up your very own copy. It is available as a paperback, as an ebook, but also as an audio book, which I am narrating. All links to order on both sides of the Atlantic are in the episode description in your podcast app. I hope you have a wonderful weekend. Make sure you have pressed subscribe and I'll be back next week with my long form conversational Wednesday and the latest episode of Bite Science next Friday.